Hello, I'm Michael Serapio, and this is the Primetime Politics Podcast. Tonight on Primetime Politics, turning up the heat on ArriveCan. Will the Prime Minister commit here and now to giving the RCMP all the documents and evidence on a rive scam. Conservatives introduce a motion calling on the Trudeau government to table a report outlining where all the money spent on a rive can went and accuse the Liberals of rigging the process to benefit government friends. Coming up, we'll get reaction from our MPs panel. And... We are seeking to hold the Canadian Human Rights Commission accountable for its human rights violations taking the Canadian Human Rights Commission to task. We'll speak with a coalition representing black civil servants who are calling on an international body to investigate the commission and how it contributes to systemic discrimination. This is Primetime Politics. Hello everyone, I'm Michael Serapio. Conservatives are doubling down on what they have termed the Arrive Can scam, accusing Liberals of helping their friends with that contract and now calling on the government to provide a full accounting of every taxpayer dollar spent on the nearly $60 million app. This is part of a $21 billion boom in outsourcing by this government, a 100% increase in external consultants, that costs $1,400 for every single Canadian family. Federal taxes for consultants, $1,400. Mr. Speaker, today we call for all the details in Arrive Scam to be released. The uh, Auditor General says she doesn't know how much was spent. It was at least, at least $60 million. That's why we want the government to be obliged by the, this House to release all the documents, all the costs, tell the truth. We want to know everybody who got rich through this corruption and how much Canadians actually had to pay for it. Well, joining us now are Yasser Nakvi, Parliamentary Secretary to the Minister of Health, Larry Brock, the Conservative MP for Brantford Brant in Ontario, and Taylor Backrack, NDP Transport Critic. Hello to the three of you. Hello, Hello Michael. Good afternoon. Listen, Larry, I'm going to begin with you here. You know, your, your party's motion here, it essentially calls on the government to, to outline all the money that's been spent, contracted out, associated with the ArriveCan app. But to hear it from the Auditor General herself, that's, a, that's nearly an impossible task because there was such poor record keeping. Is this just a political stunt? Absolutely not, Michael. Um, I think the Auditor General was uh, very fair uh, with parliamentarians and Canadians. It was a guess on her part that this was $60 million. It could have been much more. She could not investigate the amount of money that was uh, delivered to subcontractors. The government is in a position to do that. The uh, government's also in a position to determine exactly how much was paid out to the federal public service. So when you take a look at those three entities, the amount of $60 million is probably at the low threshold. It could be substantially more. So this conservative motion is to uh, to determine the exact, as best we can, the exact number and not just rely upon a guess. The government has the ability to, to look into this a little more closer than perhaps the Auditor General could have done. The other concern that we have is that uh, there was missing documents. 
and whether those missing documents are simply as a result of having no documentation at all, or whether or not that documentation was maliciously deleted. Again, the government is in the best position to determine that particular answer, and we're looking forward to receiving that information. Okay, so a pretty big question being asked. You know, Yasser, I'm going to bring you in here because I want to read to you, and this is verbatim, uh, what is written right now in a conservative news, uh, news release that came out today. And it says, quote, millions of taxpayer dollars were wasted by the Trudeau government officials who rigged the contracting process for their friends. Now that's the case that the Conservatives are making here, their explanation for this $80,000 expense that ballooned out to nearly $60 million. What do you say to that kind of a description from the Conservative Party? I mean, that, that language is nothing but political rhetoric. Uh, look, we're really thankful to the Auditor General for the report uh, uh, she's done and the recommendations she's put forward. And, and we from the outside have said that, that the findings in that Auditor General's report are unacceptable. Uh, that kind of uh, uh, misappropriation of rules should not happen. Procurement rules are there to ensure that contracting is done in a, in a fair manner. And, and even though that we were living through a pandemic times where there's there's uh, the health of Canadians was paramount. It does not justify uh, uh, any violation of the rules, and and for that reason, the government has been uh, very active through CBSA, through PSPC, government departments who are responsible for these things to make sure that proper investigation takes place. Um, if RCMP is investigating into these matters, then make sure that those investigations uh, continue and come to a logical conclusion. And, and lastly, to strengthen the rules as per the recommendations of the Auditor General so something like this does not happen again. Okay, I hear that. But you know, at the end of the day, though, it, it was your government that was in charge. And at some point, the buck has to stop somewhere. How do you explain it? How do you and your colleagues talk about this when, when you look at this dollar figure? Again, that ballooned out to so much more than what the original estimate was. We, we take our responsibility very seriously. And like I said at the outset, it's, uh, it's really disturbing to see the, uh, the findings of the Auditor General. And even though we were dealing with a serious health emergency in, in, in in terms of the pandemic, and there was a lot of unknowns. It does not justify uh, such a such a cost, and that's why the government is absolutely determined that if there were rules that were violated, that there are consequences uh, uh, associated with it, and uh, to make sure that something like this does not happen again. Uh, and Mr. Brock, uh, how do you respond to that? Because you know your your party has been very clear. You're calling this a scam. Well. Is that to me? That's you. No, that's to me. <laughs> Thank you, Michael. Uh, well, it is a scam. It is a scandal at, uh, at the highest level. We, one thing we're not talking about, in fact, this was just the part of my speech in the House literally 10, 15 minutes ago, is where was the ministerial oversight for the last three years to allow this scandal to creep up to 60 million plus? Where was the Minister of Health? Why wasn't the Minister of Health overseeing this? Why wasn't the ministers, all the ministers, public safety, Minister of Health, Minister of Procurement, why weren't they asking questions? Why were they not trying to keep a tab on these runaway costs? So at the end of the day, ministerial responsibility is not being discussed, and it should. The government is talking about the public service, that if there were some bad actors, they're going to be held accountable. But I think they have to hold themselves to a higher standard, because as you said, Michael, the buck stops with the government. Uh, Mr. Backrack, Taylor, what's, what's your response to that? 
Well, absolutely, there needs to be accountability. The, this lands squarely on the government's desk. The fact that uh, the Arrive Can app cost $60 million is entirely unacceptable. And if you read the Auditor General's report, it's, uh, it's deeply troubling. Uh, the way that this was mismanaged. But there are two things going on here. First of all, there's the uh, misconduct around the procurement process, and that needs uh, to be fully investigated. But the other thing is that ArriveCan is only the tip of the iceberg. What, what the real big issue is here is the ballooning of uh, contracts to uh, government insiders, which has happened both under conservative and liberal governments. We've seen uh, this, this outsourcing of public service work just skyrocket over the past number of years. Before, before the pandemic, $119 million was spent on the big six consulting firms. Last year, over $470 million. So this is absolutely out of control. It started with the Harper government gutting the capacity of the public service to do the basic work of government. And this liberal government has seen that outsourcing uh, to their corporate friends just increase beyond uh, what anyone could have possibly imagined. That's the big challenge here, and we want to get to the bottom of that, despite other parties not being willing to look at what those numbers actually are and how it got so bad. Um, Can the Canadian public deserves value for their tax dollars, and what we've seen with ArriveCan is that there's this whole gravy train of consultants that are making money hand over fist charging commissions for work that doesn't seem to actually be done over and over again to the point where the actual value to the public is a fraction of what it should be. That's what people should be really concerned about, and that's what we're going to get to the bottom of. Okay, I, I, again, I'm, I'm hearing you on that one, Taylor, but I'm wondering what, if any, responsibility your party takes on this, because you, to hear for the Conservatives, not to speak for, for Larry Brock here, but, you know, they pointed to the NDP as supporting the, the expenditures uh, surrounding the Arrive Can app. Well, they, they like to point to these omnibus uh, budgeting, budget and, and supply bills as, as being some sort of gotcha moment. Uh, the reality is, is that those bills also in, included public health spending that was vitally important during a, a global health emergency. Uh, but the reality is that if you trace it back, this goes back to uh, conservative and liberal governments that have underfunded the public service, that have outsourced government work to their corporate friends, and, and there's this whole ecosystem of people, well-connected folks in Ottawa that are getting these lucrative contracts. They're charging commissions, they're subcontracting the work out to another company. Sometimes there's commissions going three subcontracts deep. Uh, we think there are examples where up to 50% of the total uh, final expenditure is going to these commissions that don't actually relate to any honest work on the product that is delivered for the Canadian public. That's something that Canadians should be extremely concerned about. It's not the way it's supposed to be done. What we need is we need to rebuild the public service so that they're able to do the basic work of running this country. And we need to get back to a place where uh, Canadians can expect their government to deliver good value for the, for the public funds. Okay, listen, I, I want to play a clip here because, you know, uh, there were also questions posed today about the RCMP investigation into all this. Uh, for people at home who did not catch that, take a listen to what uh, we heard today uh, in the House. Today, Conservatives got a letter from the Commissioner of the RCMP indicating that the National Police Force is now formally investigating the Arrive scam and the Auditor General's report into it. Now, we know that the Auditor General was, uh, the government deprived the Auditor General of key documents to calculate the full cost and the breadth of the scandal. We also know that the Prime Minister refused to hand over documents in the SNC-Lavalin and the Aga Khan Island scandals. Will the Prime Minister commit here and now to giving the RCMP 
all the documents and evidence on a Rive scam. Okay, Larry, I'll get you to pick up there. Are, are you really concerned here? There, there is an RCMP investigation uh, that, that was actually confirmed by the commissioner today in committee. Uh, are you really concerned that the PMO or, or the government will not cooperate with this investigation? 100%, Michael. As my leader had indicated in the clip that you just played, the um, prime minister hid behind cabinet confidentiality with respect to the Aga Khan vacation. And we had the RCMP commissioner today uh, to talk about the SNC-Lavalin. The SNC-Lavalin uh, investigation, literally for about four and a half years, came to an abrupt halt when the Prime Minister refused to expand or broaden the uh, release of documents and or hid behind cabinet confidentiality. The RCMP Commissioner made it abundantly clear that with the evidence they were able to, to receive from the Prime Minister and the PMO's office, including the testimony of Jody Wilson-Raybould, the, the former Attorney General, as well as the Ethics Commissioner report, that that did not meet the mens rea component to the offence of obstruction of justice. He made it abundantly clear, had the Prime Minister waived all the confidences, been truly transparent and accountable, as he promised Canadians he would be in 2015, they would have been, making, they would have been able to make a determination as to whether or not they had sufficient and probable grounds to, uh, to, to lay a charge against Justin Trudeau. Yeah. Taylor, uh, what are your concerns? Do you have any on this one? Well, I think the fact that the RCMP is investigating the allegations of wrongdoing when it comes to the ArriveCan app uh, should concern everyone. And they need every document and every source of information in order to conduct their investigation. And the Canadian public deserves answers. And if there is misconduct and wrongdoing that's taken place, the people involved need to be held fully accountable. Uh, so we, we support that process, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, Yasser, uh, last word to you. Uh, again, uh, concerns being expressed here by the Conservatives as to how forthright the Prime Minister, his office and your government is actually going to be. Well, listen, um, I think everybody knows uh, here, um, I think Canadians know this, that police uh, is independent of government. They do their investigation independently of the government. In the end of the day, the Prime Minister does not direct the RCMP, nor he directs any police investigation that takes place. In fact, to comment on any ongoing police investigation will be wrong on, on part of any government official. So if RCMP is looking into this matter, if there was wrongdoings, then, let, then we should let them do their investigation. Um, and they have, they have the best tools available in order to determine any, if any laws were broken or not. But will your government fully cooperate with any investigation should it be called upon we've always we've always cooperated with any police investigation and we will we will continue to do so but we will also not uh, pretend that we are somehow directing uh, 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 the RCMP because that is not the role of the government it's up to them to uh, to do that independent investigation Okay, well, we continue to watch. Uh, thank you for the time, uh, the three of you, to Yasser Nakvi, Larry Brock, and Taylor Bacharach. Have a good evening. Thank you, thank you Michael. Bye-bye. Well, time now for a look at what happened in politics today. Alberta says it will opt out of the Liberal NDP Pharmacare plan. Instead, it wants full compensation. Now, both Alberta and Quebec have said they plan to opt out, with Alberta's health minister stating her province already has its own programs, including some coverage for contraceptive and diabetes medication. 
We already provide over 5,000 drugs through our robust PharmaCare program here in Alberta, which include diabetes medication, which includes uh, birth control medication. So um, we would be absolutely willing to enhance those programs. All we need is the federal government to provide those dollars to us, and we will make sure that we enhance the programs. The federal health minister, Mark Holland, was asked about the prospect of provinces opting out earlier today. He says provinces should pause and wait for details before making a decision. You know, for provinces to say whether or not they're going to participate in something or not when they don't even know what it is, is a little premature. Uh, we're going to meet the deadline. Uh, we're going to be tabling legislation this week. Uh, and that means that there's an opportunity to talk about what exactly this is. Uh, I, you know, it's unfortunate. I would have liked to an opportunity to talk to my provincial and territorial counterparts. I'm going to be over the next coming days, uh, you know, in advance of the, uh, uh, in advance of tabling legislation so they can understand what our intention is. The Euthanasia Prevention Coalition is urging senators to pass Bill C-62. That is the government's bill to delay the implementation of medical assistance in dying to those with mental illness as their only concern. Now, the group says it wants to see lawmakers amend Canada's made laws to prevent made for mental illness permanently. Garifalia Malusis is a lawyer who has struggled with depression. She decided to tell her story after the passage of Bill C-7 in March of 21. Having reached this point, I, I find it deeply disturbing to see that our society is moving to a place where it would offer suicide assistance to those who really need suicide prevention. You know, I was someone who didn't have access and didn't want medical intervention by nature of my condition. And so I very easily could have accessed this. Many people have told me I wouldn't qualify, but I was an intelligent, conscientious and motivated young person. And I have no question that if medical assistance in dying from mental illness had been available when I was in high school and university in those years that I struggled, that I would not be here today. Federal public service unions want the government to cough up more settlement cash for damages related to the Phoenix pay system. The unions and the government did previously negotiate an agreement for damages covering the 2016 to 2020 period. But today is the eighth anniversary of the system's launch that left federal bureaucrats underpaid, overpaid, or not paid at all. The backlog of unresolved complaints still sitting at about 444,000. Until federal public sector workers are paid properly and on time every single time, workers deserve additional Phoenix damages and an extension to the severe damages claims process until workers are made whole. And finally, members of Parliament are debating a Conservative motion on the ArriveCan app. Opposition leader Pierre Polyev wanting a full accounting of every dollar spent on the app. We want the government to be obliged by the, this House to release all the documents, all the costs, tell the truth. We want to know everybody who got rich through this corruption and how much Canadians actually had to pay for it. The Auditor General has said the total cost of the app could not be determined and that's due to poor record keeping. She estimates the project cost nearly $60 million. The vote for the motion will take place Wednesday afternoon, though it will not be binding on the government. 
The Canadian Human Rights Commission is being called to task. A coalition led by the Black Class Action Secretariat has filed a formal complaint with the international body that accredits human rights organizations around the world. They are asking it to investigate the Canadian Commission for allegedly discriminating against its own employees and to examine whether by extension is really doing its job. These practices not only contravene the Commission's mandate, but also violate international human rights law. Particularly, the International Convention on the Elimination of All Forms of Racial Discrimination, but most crucially, these actions violate the Paris Principles, which are fundamental to the accreditation of national human rights institutions. The Commission's failure to adhere to these principles calls into question its effectiveness and integrity as a human rights watchdog. Well, with more, we're now joined by Nicholas Marcus Thompson. He is the Executive Director of the Black Class Action Secretariat and is one of the lead plaintiffs in a $2.5 billion suit against the federal government for systemic discrimination. Uh, Mr. Thompson, thank you for being with us. Thank you for having me, Michael. So uh, I want to begin with this this complaint against the Canadian Human Rights Commission because in, in lodging it, y your coalition makes the allegation that the commission itself is a perpetrator, that it actually uh, contributes to the systemic discrimination uh, that exists within the public service. Is this extreme language just to get attention to your issue? Well, it's not an allegation. It's a finding. Both the Treasury Board, as well as the, the uh, Senate Human Rights Committee, have made these findings, and our organizations collectively has brought those findings that two independent state institutions have made, we've, we've, we've brought those findings to the Global uh, Alliance of National Human Rights Institutions. So they're not allegations, and they're not stretched these are government findings. And in bringing it to this global body, and, and again, this is the body that oversees human rights commissions around the world, what are you hoping to accomplish here? What do you want to come out of that investigation? Accountability. Uh, we're hoping that uh, the government of Canada will take this very seriously. We're hoping that it would bring the uh, reforms that's needed to the Canadian Human Rights Act. Um, and. We, we have a crisis in our public service with discrimination. We cannot have the Canadian Human Rights Commission, which ought to be the lead, being complicit in all of this. We, we need the commission to take a leading role. And in order for that to happen, there, there must be accountability and serious questions in terms of uh, leadership change. And we, we have the same folks who have presided over the discrimination and and have been complicit in it for years, uh, are now responsible for implementing those changes. Uh, workers have very little confidence in the commission. It is not a deterrent to discrimination in the public service. So when you say accountability, are you looking for punishment? Are you looking for firings? What, what do you want to see happen here? Well, accountability means that in Right now, there hasn't been accountability. There has not been uh, leadership change at the commission. Uh, workers there still face a lot of the same issues. 
Uh, they tell me how it's still a toxic working environment. Uh, so we're hoping that by taking this fight to the international community, to the body that accredits Human Rights Commission, that we will get those legislative changes, we will get uh, the, the people culture change uh, at the Commission. And, and by all means, we are fighting for the Commission. We want to see the Commission succeed. We want to see it leading. Uh, with regards to uh, anti-black and systemic discrimination, we want the Commission to play a leading role, not uh, to be a, a perpetrator uh, in all of this. So that's the kind of accountability uh, that we're seeking. Mm -hmm. Again, the word perpetrator here. How in its actions has the Commission contributed to systemic discrimination? You, you mentioned briefly sure. some of what you've heard, but can you dig deeper, uh, because for many people that's an umbrella term, but they don't understand what it actually has looked like and how it's affected the people you represent. Okay. Well, for one, um, the Commission has acknowledged, it has acknowledged, the interim chief commissioner has said very clearly, has apologized for this discrimination. She has acknowledged the issue. Um, uh, and what has happened over a period of time is that they have denied black workers' promotional opportunities, while allowing, uh, the, when you look at the leadership of the commission, uh, this, the, super, the complement of supervisors, we've heard from workers uh, in those entry-level positions. It's largely white supervisors, uh, race-based complaints, it's uh, disproportionately rejected at the commission. Uh, and the, to the everyday public service employee who files a complaint to the commission, they're re-traumatized in that process. Uh, there's lengthy delays. There's a lot of those systemic issues. Uh, but from those perspective, from a user perspective, race-based complaints have been, the Commission has admitted this, disproportionately rejected. Um, and from an employee perspective, they talk about a toxic working environment. Uh, uh, when they advance issues of, of race-based complaints, how that's dismissed, how their work is undervalued, um, how the disproportionate use of non-advertising staffing, uh, and that's uh, the beneficiary of that are non-black um, individuals, and, and how their careers just are it, just unable to, uh, to progress. That's the type of uh, discrimination that we're talking about. And you, this morning, after your news conference, you did have a meeting with the Commission. I'm wondering what came out of that. Has your opinion, or, or the experience rather, has that given you a more positive outlook, give you outlook, uh, more, more hope perhaps? We need to see action, but I'm hopeful that from those conversations that we started uh, the, the pathway to uh, reconciliation. We're, we're, we're really hopeful, out of uh, mutual respect, um, uh, for the parties, uh, you know, I wouldn't go into further into those conversations. But other than to say that we're we're hopeful that uh, we'll see the reform that's needed at the commission. Um, a lot of the reform it's outside of the commission's um, uh, role. Uh, the the minister of justice has responsibility uh, oversight for the commission. Um, and ultimately bringing those changes to the um, Canadian Human Rights Act. So we're hoping to see that. We're hoping to see the government uh, actually implement 
the Employment Equity Act recommendations from the Adele Blackett Task Force that recently made comprehensive uh, recommendations there that we believe, if addressed, will go a very long way in addressing the underrepresentation, particularly recognizing black people as its designated category um, and all of the other uh, protection uh, mechanism in those uh, uh, recommendations. It's very important that the government brings those uh, rec um, uh, amendments uh, uh, to the Employment Equity Act. They've committed to doing it. We just don't know when. In the meantime, the discrimination continues. Well, we continue to watch uh, what happens with this, but Nicholas Marcus Thompson, thank you for the time. Thank you for having me. And that is Primetime Politics for this Tuesday. I'm Michael Serapio. For everyone here at CPAC, thank you for watching. Primetime Politics is back tomorrow night, but up next, Esteve Jean avec l'Essentiel.